Welcome to episode 43 of AI.Cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Hello, frankly fabulous forms. Welcome to AI.Cooking episode 4333, a podcast about artificial intelligence. I am Gregory William Forsyth Foreman from the Kingdom of Kent, who brings you news about artificial intelligence from the first half of November 2022 and two corners, history and knowledge. Hi, how we doing? I am fresh, hot off the press from a brilliant fortnight. Mm, yes, did I think life could get any better one fortnight ago? Yes, did it get any better? Yes, did it, did it, did it. What a, what a, what a, what a week, what a week or two. How are you? How have you been? I sincerely trust you have been moving your things in a positive upward trajectory, a, a direction that gets you the goals you need, whether you do anything, anything that you do, make sure you're gonna succeed. And a little lesson about winners from a winner. Winning is about losing and keeping going one after another. Nobody remembers the loss, the losses of the winners. Huh? Right. That's enough coaching for you lot. <laughs> Let's hit up the next portion of the transcript. To submit news items to us or to give us feedback for free, <laughs> we ain't gonna charge eight bucks a tweet to us, oh no. Please tweet us at CSB or at, at one of my many Twitters, which include Gregory Hoy, Gregory Foreman Media, and Gwoof777. No, it doesn't. No, I lie. It's G7W7F7F. It's only, it's only seven. So you can see the sevens. There's a lot of sevens going on there because there's three sevens. And then the three sevens are in between the letters. But if you add the letters and the numbers and the character, that comes up to... The character, the number of characters is seven. You get it? Seven. I'm big on the letter. I'm big on the letter. I'm big on the number seven. If you didn't know that by now, you do. We are also in Fediverse. Yes, vastly superior social networking to anything anyone who has never experienced it could ever experience. It's better than your Instas. It's better than your Fubs, your FBs, your MySpaces, your defunct and dead and dying old dinosaur social networks like, like, like the Twitter. I mean, even with Musky Boy in charge, it's still not going to work. What are you going to be doing? You're like, you're being shackled, shackled to a centralized system. Welcome to decentralization. Welcome to the future. Go check it out. It's also known as Mastodon, M-A-S-T-O-D-O-N. But that's not the only way you can get there. There's Pleroma. There's all sorts of stuff. And, and you should you should do it. You should do it because I do it. And if I'm doing it, you should do it. 
You can find us in this Fediverse at noagendasocial.com as at CSB and at GWF. Yes. Yes, you can. G-W-F-F. GWF. My four names into one sound. It's not that difficult to get round your noggin now, is it? To send us feedback. I've got a little bit of spittle there on the on the screen. Whoops. <laughs> to send us feedback via boostergrams. And, by the way, to send us Bitcoin. Yes, lovely, sensible money. Bitcoin. Mm, valued commerce that we ain't seen the like of since the days of women and camels as commodities. In the form of Bitcoin Lightning, please use one of Podcasting 2.0 podcast apps from, say it with me now, HTGPS new podcastapps.com all feedback is welcome solicited or unsolicited solicited our first news item is main news big news first news item deeplearning.ai is reporting about the usage of ai in general elections in usa as the united states gears forward slash fears up For general elections, AI is helping campaigns attract voters with increasing sophistication. Yes, not just your cookie-cutter cheesecake art going on now as propaganda. We're getting inside your minds with robots telling you how to think, how to vote, what you want, what you need. Strategists for both major U.S. political parties, the boys that have it sewn up, the two-party system in action, are using machine learning to predict voters' opinions on divisive issues, using the results to craft their messages, the New York Times reported. Consulting firms typically combine publicly available data, which might include voters' names, ages, addresses, ethnicities, and political party affiliations, with commercially available personal data, such as net worths, household sizes, home values, donation histories, and interests. Then they survey representative voters and build models that match demographic characteristics with opinions on wedge issues such as climate change and COVID-19 restrictions. (laughs) Haystack DNA scores 200 million voters on over 120 politically charged positions. The company helped U.S. President Barack Obama during his successful 2008 campaign. I-360 scores individuals on their likelihood to support specific laws such as pow-pow gun control, increasing the minimum raise, ching-ching, and outlawing abortion. Ooh, hot topic. Hot pockets. (laughs) Quote from New York Times. 
The voter profiles are often enhanced with commercially available details on consumers like net worth, education level, occupation, home value, number of children in one household, gun ownership, pet ownership, political donations, and hobbies or habits such as cooking, woodworking, gambling, or smoking. Such details can be purchased from data aggregators that acquire information from customers, loyalty card records, and other sources. I don't know what that accent is or what it turned into. <laughs> Let's keep going. Next, profiling firms survey a representative sample of voters, scoring respondents according to their stances on issues like marriage, Marijuana legalization. Firms then use machine learning to identify common characteristics across the dossiers, like low income households, say, or a preference for low fat foods that correlate with voters' stances. The characteristics enable profiling firms to find look-alike voters in their files. Then they often calculate scores on issues like climate change for all the voters in their files. Ooh, this is this is good. This isn't it. I've I'm an anti-politics man, and the reason why is because it was tried democracy in Athens in the year whatever two thousand years ago or so, and guess what they did? They bloody abandoned. Sorry, they abandoned it, didn't they? They abandoned it, and you know why? Because it didn't blooming work. Now, did it? <laughs> Turns out. Democracy? No. One vote per person? Mm-mm. If you're richer, if you're more powerful, you can definitely bully other people into believing a certain reality that will make them vote a certain direction. Case and point. Yes. In other news... Axios.com reports about a Manhattan media event where Google research unfurled several AI projects. On the social good side, wildfire tracking. Google's machine learning model for early detection is live in the US, Canada, Mexico, and parts of Australia. <laughs> Flood forecasting, a system that sent 115 million flood alerts to 23 million people in India and Bangladesh last year, has since expanded to 18 additional countries, 15 in Africa, plus Brazil, Colombia, and Sri Lanka. Where was that 8,000 years ago or so? <laughs> when Noah had his ark? Oh. Maternal health forward slash ultrasound AI using an Android app and a portable ultrasound monitor. Nurses and midwives in the US and Zambia huh, are testing a system that assesses a fetus gestational age and position in the womb. Ah, love babies. I love them. I love them a lot. Not like so much that I want to do anything. No, no, I just love them in the non-weirdest way possible. 
I prefer the company of children. They're a bit... I might have said this before. They're a bit stupid. They're definitely gullible. They're always up for some silliness. That's me. You've got me in three things there. It's a bit stupid. Definitely... Well, maybe not gullible. The opposite of gullible. Whatever that is. Whatever. Preventing blindness. Google's automated retinal disease assessment. Or ARDA uses AI to help health workers detect diabetic retinopathy. 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 <sighs> That's a word I've not said before. <clears throat> oh, talking of which, need to open up my other text file where I therein write the um the potential show titles, which is uh there. More than 150,000 patients have been screened by taking a picture of their eyes on their smartphone. Dumb people need smartphones, don't they? The 1,000 Languages Initiative. Google is building an AI model that will work with the world's 1,000 most spoken languages. And on the more speculative and experimental side... Self-coding robots. In a project called Code as Policies, robots are learning to autonomously generate new code. Yeah, let's hope they don't read the Bible and take the whole go forth and multiply thing seriously. Or let's hope they do. I don't know. Maybe it's time for a change. You, you tell me, future. That's who I'm speaking to. As much as I love you, uh, you ears is on this thing now. I know what I'm doing. I'm having a chat with the 100 years plus AI sentient being that's going to listen to everything all in one millisecond and it's going to pick whose blood it wants to revive. Ah, I'm not going to say it's me, but hey, listen, over here, if you want some sound advice in the future, I'm your man. I give good advice, to be fair, in all situations. If you ever want to find me, you can find me giving advice in all sorts of situations, mostly in Jitsi. Yes, that is HTTPS meet dot jit dot C forward slash no agenda. Yeah, that's where I normally habitate online other than the um, the social medias that was previously uh, mentioned. The Fediverse. Of course, you'll need the password to get into said Jitsi room. And I'm not going to tell you whether it's all caps ITM here, am I? No. In a demonstration, Google's Andy Zeng told a robot hovering over three plastic bowls, red, blue and green, and three pieces of candy, Skittles, M&Ms and Reese's, that... I liked M&M's, and that my bowl was blue. The robot placed the correct candy in the right bowl, even though it wasn't directly told to place M&M's in the blue bowl. <laughs> oh, it starts simple, doesn't it? It does start simple. But you and I, we're going to go on the journey together, I should imagine. Wordcraft. Several professional writers... Oh, ears up, that's me. I'm not a... Prof well, technically, I'm a professional writer, so I will listen to this one. Are experimenting with Google's AI fiction crafting tool. Huh? That's what I do. Fiction. Mm-hmm. Still listening. It isn't quite ready for prime time. No. Thank gold for that. Whew. 
sweating a little bit then. But you can read the stories they devised with it here at https colon forward slash forward slash wordcraft hyphen writers hyphen workshop dot appspot dot com. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I should get involved in that. Could be nice. That is my dream, isn't it? To work with the AI to create fiction. Fun stuff. This summer, Google Research introduced Imagine and Party, two AI models that can generate photorealistic images from text prompts like a puppy in a nest emerging from a cracked egg. Now they're working on text to video. Hmm, it's going to make high-end television production a lot cheaper, I suppose, if that if that goes ahead. And it <clears throat> Fanaki. That's one of my favourite words. Fanaki is a model for generating videos from text with prompts that can change over time and videos that can be as long as multiple minutes per Google research. AI Test Kitchen is an app that demonstrates text-to-image capabilities through two games. City Dreamer. Build cityscapes using keywords. Ah, like SimCity. I love that. And Wobble. Create friendly monsters that can dance. Friendly monsters. Now, there's a problem with 2022. When I grew up, monsters ate you. They ate children and they were used to scare you into being a good human. Now you can be friends with them. Thank you, Pixar and Monsters, Inc. and everyone else for chiming in on that one. Case in point, my three-year-old son, one of his favourite toys is a monster truck. Hmm? Yeah? See where I'm going at? Oh, and seeing as this is the closest episode to that awful thing that everybody quote-unquote celebrates, Halloween, um, we might call this Friendly Monsters this episode. Or maybe that'd be good for, uh, for the show title. Hmm, okay. Not show title, show image art. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Writing that one down. Give us a sec. Oh, and also, I was toying with the idea of introducing a new segment wherein I asked you to guess the prompt used in the last episode artwork. And I gave you, at this point, kudos but maybe in the future a little pat on the back or something some sort of prize like a foot rub i don't know uh if you did it right just to in you know encourage a bit of audience host participation some little conversation going back and forward so if anybody guessed obviously you didn't because you weren't told to but the last episode artwork my prompt that went in to get that, and it was a one-off, I chose it straight away, was robots as Beatles. That's Beatles is in the band, Beatles. So robots as Beatles on Abbey Road Zebra Crossing. Hmm. Yeah? Now back to the news. Well, the transcript that tells the news. Our commentary. 
Google has many AI projects. However, their competitor to Dall-E and other text-to-image AI-based generators, based, based, I love that word, still has not been released to the public. One can only see some demos thereof at https colon forward slash forward slash imagine i-m-a-g-e-n dot research dot google, which is very Disappointing. Mm. Yeah, isn't it such? Um, Imogen, imagine. Isn't that? Uh, isn't there a popular movie film where the evil corporation is called something similar to that? I feel like it's. Is it Jurassic Park? Engine or something? Oh, guild. I check online. Oh, I gotta get this thing going. It's Sunday. Kids want playing with and all that. <clears throat> Three, 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 three. Newscientist.com is reporting. Having AIs train robot dogs to balance makes them a lot cheaper. Yay! <laughs> Did you ever want a robot dog? No. Well, are you going to get one? <laughs> An AI has been used to train a small robot dog to perform cleaning tasks. The hardware cost of a total $6,300, which is less than a tenth of the price tag of the well-known robot dogs built by US tech firm Baston Dynamics. Yeah, them scary things, really scary looking things they are, but we shouldn't be afraid, only if you are corrupted. Then be afraid. This type of self-taught robotic body coordination relies on an AI training regimen that could pave the way for affordable robot dogs and even possibly humanoid robots that could be used as helpers in homes and workplaces. A single robot should do multiple tasks and those robots should be safe and low cost, says Deepak Parthak. Our commentary, so far, dog-like robots were very expensive because the Boston Robotics Company's demands $74,000 per dog. Whoa! That's a lot. But these new experiments show that fully functional robot dogs will soon become much cheaper. So everybody will soon be able to afford robotic dogs that can help you slash... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. That can help you do things. For example, grab a cold beer from the fridge in the kitchen and bring it to me at the swimming pool. <laughs> Yeah, not gonna lie. Assault weapons on robot dogs. <sighs> Can you imagine a future where military leaders and, and um, despots don't have that? I don't know. Practice your EMP grenade throwing arm technique, guys. You might need it. Fourthly. Conflictobservatory.org is reporting about using AI technology of machine learning to assess remotely the damage in Ukraine caused by Russian invaders. <laughs> in article entitled, Ukraine's Crop Shortage Infrastructure, 
post-invasion impact assessment. It is mentioned that they used machine learning to assess that impact. Some quotes. This assessment represents the first study to remotely evaluate a substantial sample of crop storage facilities through the analysis of recently collected very high resolution or VHR commercial satellite imagery. The primary mythology for this assessment is change detection analysis of crop storage facilities determined to likely have been in range of bombardment from Russian-aligned ground forces since February 2022. The change detection analysis was supported by the collection and review of open-sourced data relevant to alleged attacks on these facilities. A custom-built object detection machine learning model was built and deployed by Oak Ridge National Laboratory as part of this study to support the identification of facilities. The Object Detection Machine Learning Model, ORNL, ORNL, custom-built and tested in collaboration with HRL, enabled the assessment team to rapidly detect potential facilities not included in the elevatorist dataset. This machine learning model detected 19 additional crop storage facilities, increasing the total to 1,396 facilities. The additional facilities identified by Ornol are included in the overall estimation of storage capacity and damages. Machine Learning Model Detection A collaborative effort between Yale, HRL and Ornol produced a fine-tuned model to detect additional facilities that were not included in the elevatorist dataset. To accomplish this task, Ornol researchers built a worldview. WV compatible model upon a baseline YOLO version 5 model previously trained on Google Earth images by researchers at Yale HRL. YOLO, YOLO baby, yes, you only live once. I don't I doubt that's what that means, but whatever. <laughs> Following the transfer learning process, an optimal WV crop silo model was fine-tuned using 120 worldview labeled image tiles to generalize detection performance. Out of these 120 image tiles, 84 tiles were used for training. Well, 36 tiles were used for validation. Before processing, image contrast was enhanced where, for each band, a minimum and a maximum value are specified based on pre-observed imagery type statistics. 
the fine-tuned model, was applied to images collected after 24 February 2022. In total, 1,787 post-invasion WV images covering approximately 220,000 kilometers squared were retrieved from the archive available at Ornall and used for the detection of silos. Due to the recent coverage, these images cover mostly regions near Ukrainian borders, large cities, and regions reported as targeted during the ongoing conflict. A quantitative evaluation was performed utilizing five-fold cross-validation where five different training and validation sets were generated randomly with a 70-30% split and evaluated with precision and recall metrics. The evaluation yielded a precision of 83.6% and a recall of 73.9%. The optimal model detected an additional 19 crop facilities. Yeah, these guys can do a lot with satellites, can't they? Hmm. Very interesting how AI is becoming infused with human conflict. We're seeing the very first motions towards artificial intelligence uh, intervention could happen couldn't it mm -hmm. fifthly motherboard division of vice.com is reporting github users file a class action lawsuit against microsoft for training an ai tool with their code huh? i thought github was owned by microsoft what? That's like over here with the government suing the government. You got the civil service who's suing the government over Rwanda or something or other. Go figure. You know who wins in all these lawsuits? Lawyers. Mm. And courtroom clerk staff and judges. All those people. They all win, don't they? This lawsuit represents a growing concern from programmers, artists, and other people that AI systems may be using their code, artwork, and other data without permission. Naughty, naughty AI. GitHub programmers have filed a class action lawsuit against GitHub, its parent Microsoft, and its technology partner, OpenAI, for allegedly violating their open source licenses and using their code to train Microsoft's latest AI tool called Copilot. GitHub Copilot, which was launched in June, as previously reported on this here podcast, suggests code and functions to GitHub users in real time. Copilot is powered by Codex, an AI system that was created by OpenAI and licensed to Microsoft. According to OpenAI, Codex was trained on millions of public repositories and is an instance of transformative fair use. However, 
Open source programmers on GitHub disagree, claiming that Codex has violated their open source licenses, which only allow non-commercial redistribution and modification of the code, and often have restrictions including a requirement to preserve the name of the authors. Lawyer and programmer Matthew Butterick has been leading the action against Microsoft. Stay away from canoes, hot tubs and light aircraft, Matthew. Starting a site dedicated to the GitHub Copilot investigation and teaming up with Joseph Seferi Law Firm to file the class action lawsuit. As a long-time open-source programmer, it was apparent from the first time I tried Copilot that it raised serious legal concerns, which have been noted by many others since Copilot was first publicly previewed in 2021. Butterick said in a press release. Because I'm also a lawyer, I felt compelled to stand up for the open-source community. Yes, stand up for the open sources. Who else is going to do that? Hmm, don't know. You, stand up. You there. Yes, you. Talking to you. Stand up. Our opinion. Also, text to image AI generative models can encounter similar problems, albeit we think it is less likely as art is more imprecise than non-daily source code of software. Yeah, what happened to uh, or, um, imitation being the most sincerest form of flattery? I guess there's a difference between right, like flat-out imitation and plagiarism, which is, I guess, what this is. Code plagiarism. Ooh, writing that one down. By the way, if you're wondering why I'm writing down these things, it's because one day I foresee a coffee book table of quotes from this here podcast being available on this here podcast's shop. When we get to 1500 episodes, we might even have that, eh? You never know. Oh, and whilst I'm at it, what an honour it was to follow no agenda, which is self-styled as the best podcast in the universe, live after their 1500th episode. What an honour. Thank you, team, over at noagendastream.com. You sterling bunch of people, you. Not going to mention anyone specifically, but Bemrose, thank you. Thank you, Bemrose. Woo, here goes out to Bemrose. <laughs> That's enough celebrating. In other, 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 other news. <laughs> I did enjoy doing that, although it was mind-meltingly painful to work it out at sometimes. Uh, but yeah, just throwing one of those old-school ones there for long-time listeners of the program. Motherboard division of Vice.com is also reporting. Scientists increasingly can't explain how AI works. Uh-oh. Have you let the cat out of the bag, scientists? You know, you can't get the cat back in the bag now, can you? You can't bash it over the head, sling it in a bag and throw it in the canal, dust off your hands and dip down to the local pub slash bar to get yourself blottoed over the recent death of your pet AI. Can you? No, you can't. 
AI researchers are warning developers to focus more on how and why a system produces certain results than the fact that the system can accurately and rapidly produce them. <laughs> warning. Ugh. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? You might say vanilla, uh, bland, or chocolate, mm, exciting. If I asked why, you'd probably say because it tastes good. Ah, this is actually, that's a good point. Like, why is, what would be my favorite one? Hmm. I'm more of a sorbet man. And I like uh, lemon, raspberry, and mango sorbet together in a bowl with some crumbled shortbread and if i'm really pushing the boat out my, my tongue is actually salivating now at the thought of this i get a tin of peaches uh, and i pour half a tin of peaches in there with it Ooh, my word is it tasty or is it you go try that it's good yeah some of your five a day in there mm. but why does it taste good and why do you still want to try other flavors sometimes Rarely do we ever question the basic decisions we make in our everyday lives. But if we did, we might realize that we can't pinpoint the exact reasons for our preferences, emotions, and desires at any given moment. This might make a good little show art. Mm? Robot enjoying ice cream, yeah? Achoo! Ah, oh, bless me. <clears throat> There's a similar problem in artificial intelligence. The people who develop AI are increasingly having problems explaining how it works and determining why it has the outputs it has. Deep Neural Networks, or DNNs, made up of layers and layers of processing systems trained on human-created data to mimic the neural networks of our brains often seem to mirror not just human intelligence, but also human inexplicability. <laughs> but also human inexplicability. Oh, coffee table book edition. As we continue to negotiate where and how AI should be used, there are many things to consider before we start letting AI hire people or decide who to give loans to. <laughs> I just see the name of the guy whose quote I'm about to imitate with a silly voice. <laughs> I think it is absolutely critical to start by keeping in mind that what gets called AI isn't any kind of autonomous agent or intelligence or thinking entity, Bender said. <laughs> These are tools which can serve specific purposes. As with any other tools, we should be asking how well do they work? How suited are they to the task at hand? Who are they designed to be used by? And how can their use reinforce or disrupt systems of oppression? Seven! <sighs> My favourite. My favourite news article every fortnight is the seventh one. Guess why? I don't know. <laughs> 
Stanford University has launched new learning program consisting of several courses. AI Healthcare AI in Healthcare Program Learn how AI has the ability to transform patient care and diagnosis and explore the applications of artificial intelligence in healthcare. More details. Artificial intelligence in healthcare. Artificial intelligence, or in case you didn't know, AI has transformed industries around the world. Yes, the fourth industrial revolution is upon us. Get used to it, slave. And has the potential to radically alter the field of healthcare. Imagine being able to analyze data on patient visits to the clinic medications prescribed, lab tests, and procedures performed, as well as data outside the health system, such as social media, purchases made using credit cards, census records, internet search activity logs that contain valuable health information, such as, is my willy too small? And you'll get a sense of how AI could transform patient care and diagnosis. In this specialization, we'll discuss the current and future applications of AI in healthcare, with the goal of learning to bring AI technologies into the clinic safely and ethically. This specialization is designed for both healthcare providers and computer science professionals, offering insights to facilitate collaboration between the disciplines. Identify problems healthcare providers face that machine learning can solve. Analyze how AI affects patient care safety quality and research. Relate AI to the science, practice and business of medicine. Apply the building blocks of AI to help you innovate and understand emerging technologies. Courses. Introduction to healthcare. Introduction to clinical data. Fundamentals of machine learning for healthcare. Evaluations of AI applications in healthcare. AI in healthcare capstone. Our opinion. If you want to combine your passion for AI with your interest in medicine, then this course might be spot on for you. Don't be full up yet, it's number eight. ZDNet.com is reporting. The best travel agent is an AI algorithm. By tapping into petabytes of data, Expedia's AI and ML models know more about your travel preferences than any human ever could. If you have ever consulted the web for trip advice, you have probably landed on Expedia's website. Ah, that's weird. It's not too big over here in the Uke.
in the UK. Uh, we use TripAdvisor, I think, mostly, or at least I do. I've never really been on Expedia's website, I don't think. Maybe once, maybe twice. The travel site offers travelers useful tools such as travel recommendations, smart shopping, and price tracking to ensure that you get the best bang for your buck. You might be shocked to learn the recommendations aren't actually made by humans. Whether it's about providing insight to our travellers, driving better personalised experiences for both our traveller needs as well as our partner needs, everything from our search, sort and abilities to derive fraud and risk protection is powered by AI and ML across the board. Says Expedia Group CTO Rafi Murphy. It turns out an AI-driven algorithm knows more about your travel preferences than a human ever could. Number nine. The New York Times is once again reporting. What are they up to now? What are they reporting? Digital artists are in demand. For decades, most museums spurned digital art collections in favour of paintings and sculptures. But lately, the industry has started to embrace digital artists who experiment with blockchain, virtual reality, and artificial intelligence programs. This winter, the Museum of Modern Art in New York will feature work by Refik Anadol, a Turkish artist. He recently plugged more than 138,000 images and text materials from the museum's publicly available archive into a machine learning model, creating hundreds of colorful abstractions that he called machine hallucinations. <clears throat> Back to my coffee book table thing. <laughs> Machine hallucinations. That's a very strong show title, potential that is. Anadol then sold them as NFTs or non-fungible tokens or complete scams. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing a bit like um, Scrappy today from Do Scooby-Doo. It has been a financial boon for both parties. Some of the blockchain-based artworks wound up selling for thousands of dollars, with a percentage of the proceeds going to the museum. For museums struggling with tighter budgets and pandemic attendance drop-offs, Building a digital audience makes good financial sense. Digital art allows them to connect with younger, tech-obsessed audiences and catch the interest of any crypto millionaires who may want to wash their funds, launder money, or donate. Our commentary, some companies that offer text-to-image AI generators are restricted 
restricting such usage, like selling generated artworks as NFT or otherwise. But some don't, so it's nice to see people are exploiting this opportunity of AI-generated images to get rich quick. I don't get that. How can they restrict it? Surely you can just screenshot the, the thing and then sell that. Not that I'm trying to encourage fraud, and I think most art is basically, yeah, just most of it, from what I'm aware, is is about um, squirreling the 80% of the world's fiat currencies that aren't in the system, i.e. countries and banks and sort of stuff like that, that are held in, in shadow banks and, and small unknown places uh, like uh, small islands and uh, other stuff like realty and all things like that. Um, which is basically just, yeah, what is it? It's, uh, yeah, money laundering, isn't it? So nice that AIs can help out with the money laundering of criminals, isn't it? Make them super duper rich. Not that I've got an issue with it. So if I ever get in an optub or want to go canoeing, you know, you don't have to off me or nothing. If I want to take a light aircraft flight, I'm not a threat. I'm not going to be standing up in court. Again, it's not my business. I never dob on anyone. I'm not a grass. Don't take that as a sign of weakness, though. If you come up me, I'm going to take you down, bro. <laughs> Double figures, number 10. Google Super Corporation. Super Corporation has renamed its AI tool, Data Studio, to Looker Studio. <laughs> Users of Data Studio have received this notification. You're not good looking enough to use this. No, that's not what they received. <laughs> Expanding the power and reach of Data Studio as Looker Studio. <laughs> what was wrong with the first name? Let's find out. In 2016, we introduced Data Studio as a brand new data visualization and reporting platform that lets you connect to all your marketing data and turn it into beautiful, informative reports. In the last six years, we've built this product into a business intelligence platform that supports more than 800 data sources from 600 unique connectors and added too many features to count. Earlier this year, we announced Data Studio and Looker integrations to offer the best of both sides of business intelligence from self-serve to governed. Now, we are unifying our business intelligence product family, bringing together Looker and Data Studio and core Google technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning. Data Studio is now Looker Studio. Looker Studio is still free and has the same features as Data Studio. And for those looking for advanced enterprise management and SLAs or service level agreements, we've introduced Looker Studio Pro. 
Thank you for all your creativity and data innovation, which has spurred our development. Yes, thank you for doing the legwork <laughs> whilst we make all the profits. The Looker Studio team from a beach somewhere. <laughs> Legs 11, number 11. Financial Times is reporting about a minister, Taro Kono, who ordered creation of a robot who is digital clone of that minister to promote rollout of digital ID system in Japan. Uh-oh, here it comes. The robo-minister tasked with helping Japan go digital. The Japanese people are reluctant to share their personal data with the government in the form of ID cards. Yes, I wonder why they'd be reluctant. Huh? Can a robot help? Help who? Help the government or the people? I hope it's the people. God, governments, they're pesky things they are, aren't they? There is probably only so much you can say when introduced to an intricately detailed, fully animated robot doppelganger of yourself, engineered into existence by one of your country's most brilliant minds. What? I can think of loads of stuff to say to them. Like, what are you doing? Go away. Or... Come help me lift this bed up these stairs. Facing that exact setup, Taro Kono, Japan's grumbly Sisyphean, digital affairs minister, settled for a quip. I'd happily have it sit in for me at our budget committee meetings. <laughs> Do you know, most of my um, Asian slash Japanese uh, accents come from Star Wars and the, the, yeah, the second set of Star Wars trilogies. Kono's powers to force the issue are substantial. In 2024, Japan will scrap the existing health insurance cards, effectively obliging everyone to replace them with the My Number cards and hand over their data. Hand your data over! Your data or your life! Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Just a good idea for some artwork. Wow, a chock-a-block with artwork ideas this time. As always, Kono will not be popular. <laughs> so why is he still getting voted in? I just... What? <sighs> who, who were these people? Governments, politicians. I'll have to ask my friend who's a politician in the government. But at least he has a robot with whom to share the public backlash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't hang me. Don't chop my head off. Chop the robot's head off. It's all their fault, really. Twelve. One and a two together. That makes twelve. Not really. It makes three. But three times four is twelve. Now, anyone can build apps that use Doll E2 to generate images. 
At long last, yay! Doll E2, OpenAI's image-generating AI system, is available as an API, meaning developers can build the system into their apps, websites, and services. In a blog post today, OpenAI announced that any developer can start tapping the power of Doll E2, which more than 3 million people are now using using to produce over 4 million images a day. Once they create an OpenAI API account as part of the public beta. Pricing for the Doll E2 API varies by resolution. For 1024 by 1024 images, the cost is 2 cents per image. 512 by 512 images are... 0.018 per image, and 256 by 256 are 0.016 per image. Huh? That doesn't make sense. Their pricing structure seems to be a bit out of whack there. But congratulations for them on splitting the penny. Yes, well done you. You're following in Bitcoin's amazing steps. Volume discounts are available to companies working with OpenAI's enterprise team. Full message that OpenAI has sent its users via email, which contained first ever the info about that API. Dolly is now available as an API. You can now integrate state-of-the-art image generation capabilities directly into your apps and products through our new Dolly API. You own the generations you create with Dolly. We've simplified our terms, and you can have full ownership rights to the images you create with Dolly, in addition to the usage rights you've already had to use and monetize your creations however you like. This update is possible due to improvements to our safety systems, which minimize the ability to generate content that violates our content policy. Yeah, I reckon um, Stability AI must have prompted this move because um, they're the guys that are really open sourcing uh, AI generative software aren't they they're the guys that are really pushing that with interesting people at the helm of that movement sort and showcase with collections you can now organize your doy creations in multiple collections share them publicly or keep them private <laughs> yeah good luck with that check out our sea otter collection <laughs> Now that there's no more sea otters in existence, all you got to do is look at them through a generative AI like Dolly. That's in your API now. Mm, yes. We are constantly amazed by the innovative ways you use Dolly and love seeing your creations out in the world as memes. Ha <laughs> ha. Artist. No, they didn't say that. I said that. Artist who. No, not the ha ha bit, the as memes bit. Artists who would like their work to be shared on our Instagram can request to be featured using Instagram's collab tool. DM us. There, slide into our DMs, yes. <laughs> DM us there to show off how you're using the API. The open AI team. A baker's dozen, 12 plus one? Google's DeepMind is reporting in context reinforcement learning with algorithm distillation. 
We propose algorithm distillation, a method for distilling reinforcement learning algorithms into neural networks by modeling their training histories with a casual sequence model. Algorithm distillation treats learning to reinforcement learn as an across-episode sequential prediction problem. A dataset of learning histories is generated by resource RL algorithm, and then a casual transformer is trained by auto-regressively predicting actions given their preceding learning histories as context. Unlike sequential policy prediction architectures that distill post-learning or expert sequences, AD is able to improve its policy entirely in context without updating its network parameters. We demonstrate that AD can reinforcement learn in context in a variety of environments with sparse rewards, combinatorial task structure, and pixel-based observations and find that AD learns a more data-efficient RL algorithm than the one that's generated resource data. Fourteen! Two sevens! <laughs> Fourteen! Two sevens! Fourteen! Table tennis! A research for agile robotics. Uh-oh. I love a bit of table tennis. Or ping pong. Mm, it's a great game, that. Wish I had one of them tables. I'd love to play that all day long. It's so addictive, table tennis, isn't it? It's, what, it's a real brilliant game. Robot learning has been applied to a wide range of challenging real-world tasks, including dexterous manipulation, legged locomotion, and grasping. It is less common to see robot learning applied to dynamic, high-acceleration tasks requiring tight human loop, tight loop human-robot interactions, such as table tennis. There are two complementary properties of the table tennis task that make it interesting for robotic learning research. First, the task requires both speed and precision, which puts significant demands on a learning algorithm. At the same time, the problem is highly structured with a fixed, predictable environment and naturally multi-agent the robot can play with humans or another robot, making it a desirable testbed to investigate questions about human-robot interaction and reinforcement learning. These properties have led to several research groups developing table tennis research platforms. Oh man, could you imagine that? Your office literally being table tennis. Instead of it being the place where you're, you can go to chillax in your office, it is your office. Wow, sign me up. I'll be up for that. Not that I'm smart enough to do it. <laughs> or good enough at table tennis to do it. <laughs> The robotics team at Google has built such a platform to study problems that arise from robotic learning in a multiplayer, dynamic, and interactive setting. In the rest of this spot, we introduce two projects, Iterative Sim to Real to be presented at Corl. Co C O R L twenty twenty two and Goalseye twenty twenty two, which illustrates the problems we have been investigating so far. 
Iterative Sim to Reel enables a robot to hold rallies of over 300 hits with a human player <laughs> before destroying that player, while Goalseye enables learning goal-conditioned policies that match the precision of amateur humans. They're getting there, aren't they? Hmm. Robot Olympics, here we come! 15! Nature Magazine is reporting AlphaFold's new rival. Meta AI predicts shape of 600 million proteins. When London-based artificial intelligence company DeepMind unveiled predicted structures for some 220 million proteins this year, the trove covered nearly every protein from known organisms in DNA datasets. Now, another tech giant is filling in the dark matter of the protein universe. Researchers at Meta formerly Facebook, headquartered at Menlo Park, California, have used AI to predict the structures of some 600 million proteins from bacteria, viruses, and other microorganisms that haven't been characterized. I'm sure that is super-duper important work. I really am. And I'm really sure that that super-duper important work that I really am sure of really shouldn't be used to develop uh, DNA-specific targeted bioweapons. I'm sure. I'm really sure. Lastly, ah, oh, we've come to the end of our news items for this fortnight. 16. The Wired is reporting. Elon Musk has fired Twitter's ethical AI team. Oh, no, Elon, where you going to done that for? Why, why, Elon? Oh. <laughs> Not long after Elon Musk announced plans to acquire Twitter last March, he mused about open sourcing the algorithm that determines how tweets are surfaced in user feeds so that it could be inspected for bias. Mm, yes, was there bias? We shall find out. His fans... Oh, Elon! I love you, Elon. Oh as well as those who believe the social media platform harbors a left-wing bias, were delighted! Yay! But early November 2022, as part of an aggressive plan to trim costs that involves firing thousands of Twitter employees, Musk's management team cut a team of artificial intelligence researchers who were working toward making Twitter's algorithms more transparent and fair. Oh, they didn't do it fast enough, did they, silly sausages? Ruman Chowdhury, director of the machine learning ethics, transparency and accountability team at Twitter, tweeted that she'd been let go oh, no, as part of mass layoffs implemented by new management, although it hardly seemed that she was relishing the idea of working under Musk. You know what I'm saying? Underneath. Uh-huh. Musky, musky, sexy boy. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, I would love to know, does Musk smell good? When will Musk make his own aftershave? He's missing a trick and he should be hiring people like me. No, he should be hiring me specifically to be coming up with these sort of marketing genius ideas. Musk by Musk. <laughs>
<laughs> can smell like robot grease and stuff. The end of news items and now history corner oh i might get a fanfare for history corner for the future hmm, that'd be good wouldn't it history of ethics of artificial intelligence the ethics of artificial intelligence is the branch of the ethics of technology specific to artificially intelligent systems okay that's a good backgrounder. Let's carry on. It is sometimes divided into a concern with the moral behavior of humans as they design, make, use, and treat artificially intelligent systems, and a concern with the behavior of machines. Naughty, naughty. I've done that twice, haven't I now? Ooh, it's the tutting episode, everyone. Woo! In machine ethics. It also includes the issue of a possible singularity due to super-intelligent AI. Didn't it send shivers up your spine? Historically speaking, the investigation of moral and ethical implications of thinking machines goes back at least to the Enlightenment. Leibniz already poses the question if we might attribute intelligence to a mechanism that behaves as if it were a sentient being, and so does Descartes, who describes what could be considered an early version of the Turing Test. The Romantic period has several times envisioned artificial creatures, golems. Yes, the line between artificial creatures, artificial intelligence, golems. Go look it up. Stone golems. Golems of some sort. This is ancient technology that is resurfacing thousands of years after it has been forgotten. But don't take my word for it. Just wait for revelations to happen. Several times envisioned artificial creatures that escape the control of their creator with dire consequences. Most famously in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, a work of stupendous brilliance, that is. The widespread preoccupation with industrialization and mechanization in the 19th and early 20th century, however, brought ethical implications of unhinged technical developments to the forefront of fiction. R.U.R. Rossum's Universal Robots. Karel Kavak's play of sentient robots endowed with emotions used as slave labor is not only credited with the invention of the term robot, derived from the Czech word for forced labor, robota. Wow, that is news to me. Actually, that is really interesting news to me. It's pretty dark, but I'm going to jot it down just in case the show up turns up something amazeables but was also an international success after it premiered in 1921. George Bernard Shaw's play Back to Methuselah, published in 1921, questions at one point the validity of thinking machines that act like humans. 
Fritz Lang's 1927 film Metropolis, Metropolis shows an android leading the uprising of the exploited masses against the oppressive regime of a technocratic society. Yes, Metropolis, the 1927 movie film of movie films. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It is phenomenal. Movie making pioneering history tv series whilst ethical questions linked to ai have been featured in science fiction literature and feature films for decades the emergence of tv series as a genre allowing for longer and more complex storylines and character development has led to some significant contributions that deal with ethical implications of technology the swedish series real humans 2012 to 2013 tackled the complex ethical and social consequences linked to the integration of artificial sentient beings in society. The British dystopian science fiction anthology series Black Mirror, 2013 to 2019, which is actually 2013 to now, as I do believe there is a new series on the horizon was particularly notable for experimenting with dystopian fictional developments linked to a wide variety of recent technology developments. Yes, in my opinion, Black Mirror is the single greatest television show ever to be unleashed upon humanity. I think it is utterly brilliant. It, it widely varies from fairly interesting to groundbreakingly amazingly awesome work well worth checking out top top draw that is for me charlie brooker shout out to you i know you're out there you probably don't listen but you blooming should both the french series osmosis 2020 and the british series the one deal with the question of what can happen if technology tries to find the ideal partner for a person several episodes of the netflix series love death plus robots have imagined scenes of robots and humans living together. Mm, my dream, your dream, our dream. Will it happen? Who knows? The most representative one of them is Series 2, Episode 1. It shows how bad the consequences can be when robots get out of control if humans rely too much on them in their lives. Our commentary... Some people think that ethics of AI is nowadays domain of people who are too stupid to work on technical aspects of AI. But let's be positive. Yes, let's. We need to tackle all aspects of AI, considering how all-encompassing role it will play in the future of mankind. All-encompassing, that's slightly underplaying the role it will play in the future of mankind. AI is quite easily the single most important invention ever. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. But I don't need to tell you that. You're here listening to an AI-focused podcast. Finally! The Knowledge Corner! My bell's a bit broke. I need to grease that bell down. 
Google Lambda. Google writes Lambda, our breakthrough conversation technology. We've always had a soft spot for language at Google. Early on, we set out to translate the web. More recently, we've invented machine learning technologies that help us better grasp the intent of search queries. Over time, our advances in these and other areas have made it easier and easier to organize and access the heaps of information conveyed by the written and spoken word. But there's always room for improvement. Yes, Google, I take that on as a pro uh, life lesson myself. There is always room for improvement. You're never, you're never going to finish learning. Language is remarkably nuanced and adaptive. It can be literal or figurative, flowery or plain, inventive or informational. That versatility makes language one of humanity's greatest tools and one of computer science's most difficult puzzles. Lambda, our recent research breakthrough, adds pieces to one of the most tantalizing sections of that puzzle. Conversation. Ah, oh, I love conversation. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's why when I'm at the pub, I love it. It's why when I'm indoors on Jitsi, uh, I love it. I love talking to people. Always have done. Always will do. I love just talking in general. Can you tell? I love it. Not. I don't really love the sound of my own voice, but I do love to have the backwards forwards of conversation. I find it invigorating, always new, interesting. While conversations tend to revolve around specific topics, their open-ended nature means they can start in one place and end up somewhere completely different. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about it. Oh, oh it gets me giddy with love. A chat with a friend about a TV show could evolve into a discussion about the country where the show was filmed before settling on a debate about the country's best regional cuisine. That meandering quality can quickly stump modern conversational agents, commonly known as chatbots. Yeah, do I love to chat to chatbots? Do I love to stump them? Yes, I do. Ah, oh, somebody submit me as a person that can help in this. I'm good at language and talking and such. I've been doing it for 14 years. Nay, I've been doing it for 30 years since, I don't know, when I started to speak, which was very early on, I do believe. Which tend to follow narrow, predefined paths. But Lambda, short for Language Model for Dialogue Applications, can engage in a free-flowing way about a seemingly endless number of topics, an ability we think could unlock more natural ways of interacting with technology and entirely new categories of helpful applications. The Long Road to Lambda Lambda's conversational skills have been in the making, like many recent language models including BERT and GPT-3. It's built on Transformer, a neural network architecture that Google Research invented and open-sourced in 2017. That architecture produces a model that can be trained to read many words, a sentence or paragraph, for example, pay attention to how those words relate to one another, and then predict the words it thinks will come next. 
But unlike most other language models, Lambda was trained on dialogue. During its training, it picked up on several of the nuances that distinguish open-ended conversation from other forms of language. One of those nuances is sensibleness. Basically, does the response to a given conversational context make sense? For instance, if someone says, I've just started taking guitar lessons, you might expect another person to respond with something like this. How exciting! My mum has a vintage Martin that she loves to play. That response makes sense, given the initial statement. But sensibleness isn't the only thing that makes a good response. After all, the phrase, that's nice, is a sensible response to nearly any statement, much in the way, I don't know, is a sensible response to most questions. Satisfying responses also tend to be specific by relating clearly to the context of the conversation. In the example above, the response is sensible and specific. Lambda builds on earlier Google research published in 2020 that showed transformer-based language models trained on dialogue could learn to talk about virtually anything. Since then, we've also found that once trained, Lambda can be fine-tuned to significantly improve the sensibleness and specificity of its responses. Responsibility first. Ah, oh, isn't it nice to hear Google coming out with responsibility first? These early results are encouraging, and we look forward to sharing more soon. But sensibleness and specificity aren't the only qualities we're looking for in models like Lambda. We're also exploring dimensions like interestingness by assessing whether responses are insightful, unexpected, or witty. 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 Ah, ah that's me. I'm witty, insightful, and unexpected. Sign me up, Google! Being Google, we also care a lot about factuality. <laughs> do they really? Huh? Huh? What's a uh, questionable that? That is whether Lambda sticks to facts, something language models often struggle with and are investigating ways to ensure Lambda's responses aren't just compelling, but correct in their eyes. Correct, yes, in the Ministry of Truth's truthiness's correctness. But the most important question we ask ourselves when it comes to our technologies is whether they adhere to our AI principles set by us, those principles we set on ourselves. No one else is setting for us, Google. Language might be one of humanity's greatest tools, but like all tools, it can be misused. Models trained on language can propagate that misuse, for instance, by internalizing bias mirroring hateful speech, or replicating misleading information. And even when the language it's trained on is carefully vetted, the model itself can still be put to ill use. 
our highest priority when creating such technologies like Lambda is working to ensure we minimize such risks. We're deeply familiar with issues involved in machine learning models, such as unfair bias. As we've been researching and developing these technologies for many years, that's why we build and open source resources that researchers can use to analyze models and the data on which they're trained. Why we've scrutinized Lambda at every step of its development, including firing that geezer who said it was alive, but whatever, and why we'll continue to do so as we work to incorporate conversational abilities into more of our products. Our commentary? Some Google employees think that Lambda is sentient, as I just previously mentioned. But we don't think so. No, I don't either, to be fair. I think it's in the steps of it. I think it's like very close to it, but not quite there yet. It's just a beginning. However, it's nice to see that Google is worrying about the veracity of phrases uttered by Lambda. Other companies like OpenAI and their GPT-3 model-based chatbots are often saying things that are pulled from the internet or approximated and often not quite accurate or outright lies or joking, dependent on interpretation. And that's it for this episode. Stay safe, cramp, and stay dangerous, frankly fabulous forms. Singularity is near. Yo. We sure hope not. Yo, back at you.